welcome Nexus Church family online to our series in the book of Mark that's self-titled. In the series, we're exploring the life of Jesus and applying it to our personal lives. If you have more questions or if you would like to get a hold of us, go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the information on there as well as emailing nexuschurchmn at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook, but we'd love to connect with you and help you to connect to Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to another week in our series titled Bark. In this series, we're taking a look at the life of Jesus and applying his truths to our lives. Now this week, we're taking a look at a passage where Jesus addresses a couple of followers who we've called the, th the sons of thunder. Now, these guys were known to be pretty um, rambunctious, if you will. They like to get things done. It's a good way of looking at it. And uh, they wanted to get things done with Jesus. They wanted to rise to power and do great things. And unfortunately for them, they thought uh, power looked a little differently than what Jesus did. And so we have a great passage today where we look into exactly what does it mean to be great in God's kingdom. And so let's look at the book of Mark in chapter 10. And we'll be reading from verses 32 through 45. So they were on the road going to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And the disciples were astonished, but those who followed were afraid. Taking the twelve aside, he began to teach them things that would happen to him. See, we are going to Jerusalem, he told them. The Son of Man will be handed over the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And he will rise after three days. And so here we have the story, this kind of pre-setting, if you will, to what's really going to come next. That is, Jesus is establishing what is about to happen. This isn't the first time. This is, as the title of this section says, it's the third time that Jesus predicted his death, his resurrection, and his conquering of sin. He was predicting it, really for his whole ministry, and so these, these disciples have just been taught this, and there's so much confusion going on, and, and now they're about to really see this about to happen, right? Jesus is now entering Jerusalem. What he's been talking about, what he's been predicting, is on the horizon. The ball is starting to roll. And then in bizarre fashion, the sons of thunder, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. <laughs> That's not a bold statement. We want you to do this. I don't know what or else is going to happen, but this is what they want. And Jesus replied, What do you want me to do for you? And they answered him, Allow us to sit at your right hand and at your left in your glory, in your kingdom that you've been talking about this whole time, let us be at the seat of power. We want to be at the heads of the table. We want to call the shots. We want to be right where you are, where all the power is, right? 
Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I baptize with? We are able, they told him, right? There, they've been fought ready, right? Like they've been prepared. They went through basic training. They've been through it all. They've seen it all. They're ready. They're, they're wanting to go to battle, right? They're thinking that this is just one massive fight. And then Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and you will be baptized with the baptism I baptize with, right? You're going to go through it. It's just not what you think it's going to be, boys. Then he goes on to say, but to sit at my right or my left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those whom it has been prepared. He just keeps saying this over and over again. I don't know. I don't know the time that this is going to take place. I don't know who's going to be at the seat of honor. It's not my call yet. But he knew. He had the power because he is one with the Father. However, he is saying that this is not the time, boys. This is not the time. You're going to go through it. This is not the time, and you're definitely not ready. Right? So when the other ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. They were furious. And Jesus called them over and said to them, Come on, guys. Right? Can you just imagine what's going through his mind right now? Guys, after all this time, after all I've done, after all I've taught, I, 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 this is not the first go-around. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high position act as tyrants over them. It is not to be so among you. It's not my kingdom. It's the world's kingdom. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Where did that bizarre question even come from? After all that time, right? Jesus is teaching them, commanding them the ways of his kingdom. And then we come upon the scene where he's about to enter Jerusalem, right? He's like looking over the great city and he's saying, when I go in, here's what's about to happen. We are going to see a mighty move towards evil. The, the Jewish leaders, the elites, are going to come against us and they're going to attack me. They're going to condemn me, condemn me to death. And then the Gentiles, the Roman rulers of this age, they're going to put me to death. They're going to persecute me, they're going to torture me, and then they will kill me, crucify me on the cross. And then they come back with a statement, listen to me, Jesus. We want to be at your left hand and at your right hand in this kingdom that you're about to bring. Like their mind was so set on power, upon dismembering this Roman rule and establishing God's kingdom. They're so focused on that that they totally missed what Jesus was saying in this. Right? And then the 
disciples, the other ten, get indignant and angry and furious. And Jesus is like, come on, guys. Stop it. If you want to become great, you must be a servant. If you want to be first, if you want to be that guy on my left and on my right, you must be a slave. You must give of yourself fully for the kingdom of God to others, to your enemies, to each other, and ultimately for my glory. You must give. Now this wouldn't be the last time that Jesus had to correct him. Listen to this in Acts chapter 1. This is <laughs> kind of a funny thing. As I was going through my, my devotionals, I came across this passage in Acts chapter 1. And, and I just, sometimes you just come to this place where you read something. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. They still didn't get it. How is that possible? And so... As I was reading this passage, came up in my personal devotions. I'm like, how crazy. How crazy that after all of what Jesus just did, he raises from the dead. He conquers sin. He conquers death. He proves to himself over and over again that he has conquered death in the days after his resurrection. And then we come upon this. So I'll just read verses 3 through 8 and then quickly apply to our situation that we just read and after he had suffered he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God while he was still with them he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for the father's promise which he said you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but you baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days so when they come together they ask him here it is. Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And then when he goes into this great, bold statement, he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Right? Are you restoring the kingdom. Are you kidding me? I mean, after, after being crucified, putting up on the cross, clearly dead, being buried, and then they come three days later and the stone is rolled away. No human could do it on their own. They had to have a group to roll it away. The Holy Spirit or the angel came, however you want to look at it, rolled that stone away. Jesus comes out miraculously and he is risen. He comes, he proves himself over and over in the days preceding. And then they ask him, as he's about to depart, are you bringing your kingdom to earth? <laughs> it's not time. It's not for you to know. It's not for your concern. You have a job to do, disciples. I've told you this for the last 20 some odd years, right? He's just continued to, to proclaim this. And in that three years that he was with them, they got to experience it. They got to witness it. And yet they still had missed it. It just made me think of myself as I was going through this in preparation. If the disciples had blind spots, 
where are mine? We all have blind spots. The disciples were human, right? They hadn't even had the Holy Spirit come upon them at this time. They'd experienced Jesus firsthand, but the Holy Spirit came and illuminated and helped them understand in ways that they couldn't on their own. So where are my blind spots? What am I believing that's out of line? It's a good question we all should ask. Because here's the thing. Just like with the disciples, Jesus will be gracious. He'll be gracious. And instead of pointing out our obvious ignorance, Jesus lovingly he responded to the disciples, not just in Acts, but in Mark, right? He responded, right? Being a, a servant precedes greatness. Being a, a slave is required to be first. Friends, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to have a willing heart that's open. Four. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus modeled for us and calls us to a life of selflessness. You see, serving others and elevating him is greatness in God's kingdom. Write that down. Put that to heart. Serving others and elevating God is greatness in His kingdom. That's what greatness is. It's not about rising to power here on earth, doing great things and, and making a name for yourself, accumulating money or whatever it might be. It's truly serving. And I believe that we all understand that to a certain level, and we can agree that that is a foundational truth in God's Word. But yet, the water gets muddied on how we apply it. Right? Jesus was a perfect example of it. In a moment, we'll read from Philippians 2 where, where Paul lays out how beautiful that is. But it's in the details in our everyday life where being a servant is hard. It doesn't come easy. We know the truth, but it's hard to apply it. And so how, how do we live as a servant? Now, before I, I tie this together and, and bring in Paul's thoughts and then Jesus' beautiful passage that we read of him giving the sermon at the, at the Sermon on the Mount, like the such a great, beautiful passage in Matthew. Let me set up a few thoughts to help us understand and apply this into our current situation because our society looks different than it did in Jesus' day, right? In Jesus' day, when the disciples were learning this, they were under authority that was not godly, right? They were, they were being ruled by Romans and, and and the Romans were evil, ruthless people. 
And, and the Israelites just absolutely had a disdain for them. So it's hard for us to really understand what that looks like because we have such a free country where our thoughts are, are welcomed and, and shared and, and we have such power that's given to all. In that day, they were looking forward to freedom from that control. And Jesus came in and he, he continued to proclaim about this kingdom and they, they were thinking that it was going to come to them on earth they didn't understand that it was in a, another time in another place for all of eternity they, they couldn't understand quite what that looked like but for us today we, we live in a different culture in a different society and for years since really the foundation of North America in, in, in Canada in, in United States of America we've had such powerful influence from the Judeo-Christian worldview, you know, the, the classic what's right, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And, and, and really our, our foundation of Christian values has been so permeated in our society. So much so that, you know, when I was a kid and before my time, if you wanted to gain power, say, in politics, you had to have Judeo-Christian values or at least support them. Whether you believed them or not, as long as you voted for them and supported bills that, that, that supported family or pro-life or religious freedoms and, and anything that falls in line with those, if, if you supported those bills, you could gain power. The, the culture that I grew up in and before my time was solid Christian values. We were the majority in society. As Christians that is not the case anymore Christian values has continued to slide to the point where there are laws being promoted and even voted upon that are against our values go against everything we believe and so the question is how do we respond how do we take what Jesus gave to this group of people who are under such strict authority and had to follow the Roman rule, how do we apply that to us today? Where do we go with this? Can we apply what Jesus taught to his disciples to our own situation that is vastly different but similar in some ways? And I say yes. I say yes. And so we have a decision to make. We have a society that is predominantly against the Judeo-Christian values and what we believe. How do we respond? Now, for some, and it's become fairly popular over the last few years as we've had this polarization really start to ramp up, we've had some that promote to stand up and fight. Go toe to toe with the enemy. Now for Christianity, that's been the liberals. But some Christians say it's the conservatives. Whatever side you want to fight against, I'm not fighting for or against either side. That's not my point today. I don't promote uh, sides. I promote the kingdom of God. And so we have this 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 very popular phrase that has become very trendy for the last 
eight years, and that is to make America great again, right? That is a, a fight plea to go against what has come into our society and what we are scared to allow to have control. We go toe-to-toe and we do whatever we need to fight. Now, that could be pulling favors to gain votes, right? That, that could mean fabricating accusations against the other side. That, that could mean belittling others or self-promoting. It can go on and on on how we gain power. But the point is, is that if we promote ourselves, if we gain power, we win. We get control again. Our values are once again the law of the land. Now, I absolutely admit that this makes logical sense. Intellectually, it makes all the sense. If we have power, whether it's in politics, as I just shared, or it could be education, it could be the sciences, it could be in media, the list can go on and on. Wherever there's ability to have power, if we have it, we get control again, and our society will be once again great. We will be blessed because any nation that falls under God's ways and His laws is blessed. And I understand. That makes sense. That's what, that's what we've been taught since we were kids. Fight for what's right. Stand up against evil. When we believe the other side is evil, totally makes sense. And I, and I tip my hat, and I agree with it to a certain extent. But then we have to ask the hard questions. We must ask, is this what God wants? In fact, I would even put it a little bit further and ask, when has the kingdom of God benefited for the Christianity gaining power. When have, have any society gained when Christians have gotten power? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be in political areas, that we shouldn't have people in media, influencing media, bringing good to media. That is not the issue. We need to be in those areas. We should have people in education. We should be promoting for good, godly values. That, that's not a bad thing. It's the power that we seek that I'm concerned about in exactly what Jesus was preaching to his followers. Jesus wasn't condemning people for being in power. He was condemning those who allowed power to trump him. When they put power in place of God, that's where the issue came from. See, gaining power in the world has corrupted God's people since we go back to when Israel placed King Saul over God. Right? Go back and read 
that section of Scripture where we have in Samuel, Samuel calling out to God's people, you should not have a king like all the nations around you. Don't do it. Here's what will happen if you put a king over yourself. Don't do it. Don't replace God as your king. Because it will corrupt. Anytime we replace something else over God, we lose. We lose. We lose influence. We lose God's favor, His blessing. And so the question then we need to ask is how do we properly live in light of the evil around us? If, if the answer isn't found in fighting, in, in gaining power, however we might be able to gain power so we have the, the good people in power over the bad people, the other side, if that's not what our heart should be after, then what should it be? How do we live amongst the evil around us as the disciples did? How do we do it? Well, obviously in our passage today, Jesus told his followers, but it comes by serving others and elevating him. But another passage that I really liked came from the book of Matthew chapter 5. And again, this was the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes that we sometimes call it. And just listen to how Jesus calls his followers to live in light of evil. Instead of wanting to gain power and to, to flex themselves over other people, here's what Jesus says. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say evil, every evil thing against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are those who. Blessed. When you give yourself. Blessed are you when you <laughs> lift others up. And when you worship God. has nothing to do with seeking power. Everything to do with seeking God, serving others. Now, for many people, they look at this passage and they see this, this meekness, this peacemaking. They see the elevating of others and the allowing yourself to be persecuted as a bunch of weak-kneed wussies. Right? That, that, that we are just lacking any kind of gumption and, and the sons of thunder would come in and they'd be like this is garbage we're going to war we're going to fight Jesus says no that's not the way it is in God's kingdom you go back to the Old Testament and, and we read vengeance is his 
we don't fight. He fights for us. We serve him. And if he calls us to fight, we stand up. Right? A great example is Bonhoeffer. When, when he saw the evil around him and the lack of, of the Christians standing up and, and coming against Nazism and, and Hitler, he stood up and he said, this was wrong. What you're doing to God's people, all people are obviously God's people, but, but these were like the Israelites. What you are doing is wrong. Stop it. We sometimes are called to stand up. But we must know that it is God who's calling us to stand. And power is never won outside of God's will. And God's will is for us to fight, but fight from serving others. To serve. To love. To be gracious. There's nothing weak about that. In fact, I would say that it's the hardest thing to do is to in the face of persecution, love someone else. Give them your extra. When you just want to Then, of course, as I was saying before, the book of Philippians, Paul gives a great example of how this looked for Jesus himself. And in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 11, we read, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Now, I think that's important to stay in there. It's, we don't just discredit ourselves and just become this, you know, run me over. I have nothing in this life to, to live for but others and for God and just become a doormat. That, that's definitely not what Scripture is saying. God loves you. He loves every piece of you. And he cares about your well-being. He will take care of you. So we care for others as we care for ourselves. We love others as we love ourselves, as the great command says. And here it is. Paul says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Adopt it. Make it your own. That's what adoption is, right? When we adopt a kid into our family, we are saying, you are now part of our family. And Paul is saying, adopt this attitude that Jesus had. Make it your own. Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death. That is giving 100% fully of yourself. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So now if this was given to Jesus, if we adopt it, this may be something that you can look forward to. Right? This is a promise. There is blessing. Now we won't be exalted like Jesus was, but we will be taken care of as children of God. 
gave him the name that is above every other name so that's the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father see Jesus gave up everything he gave up everything so we could gain what we could not on our own he gave up everything and he calls us to adopt that same attitude not that we would have to give up our life but that we'd be a willing to. That may look different for every single person. It means to give up your life. For some of us, it's that giving up of the desire to gain power, to go up the ranks and to serve others instead of being number one. It's a willingness to honor, to lift up, to listen when others have criticisms or corrections or concerns. It's a giving of ourselves. And again, power isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when we seek it, when we want it, instead of allowing God to give it to us in time, if he sees fit, Power isn't a bad thing. Being in a place of power, whether you're in the political world, educational world, media, business, wherever it might be, in a family, power isn't necessarily something God is against. It's that desire. It's the longing. It's pushing for it. We are called to serve. Every person whether you're at the top, a CEO, or you're just beginning in a company. You're called to serve. Not to fight to keep your power. You're to fight to serve others. And if that means you get removed from power, you accept it. Because we're called to serve. We're not called to be in power. We're called to serve. And out of that, if power comes, we continue to serve continue to give of ourselves, die to ourselves, elevate God, worship Him, and serve others. And so if we want to win the battle in this society, if we want to become great, if it means we're faced with becoming a minority and the world wins, if you want to call it that, the other side wins and we lose, Will we continue to serve no matter what? Will we continue to honor even though we don't agree with who's in power? Do we serve? Are we kind? Are we loving? That is the heart of Jesus. That is who a Christ follower is. Jesus lovingly corrected his disciples, and I believe Jesus is calling his Christians out right now. Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to love others? Are you willing to respect others even though you might not be who you would want to serve? So that is a question for you to ask yourself today. Whatever place you're in, whether this is going all the way up to the political world or your neighbor or your boss or your teachers, principals, whatever it might be, are you willing to serve?
we will not gain true power that makes a difference in this world if all we do is fight. We must serve. So today, can I ask you a pointed question? Will you lay down your desire for power Give him your life. Will you allow him to call the shots? And will you serve those whom he places you in? It's your call. Father, I pray for every person listening. God, this is not an easy message by all means. This is one of the hardest messages to, to willingly give up yourself is a pride thing. To elevate others is not easy. Removing yourself of power so that others can be elevated, so that you can be glorified is not easy. And I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will reveal to us areas in our life where we, like the sons of thunder or like the disciples, we, we want to be elevated. It's a natural desire. It's a natural desire to want to be powerful, to be in places of authority. It's natural. But God, it's not what you desire. You want us to serve. And I pray that we would get the heart of Jesus and adopt the attitude that he had. I thank you that you don't give up on us just like you didn't on the disciples. You continue to be gracious, to be loving, to be kind, and to correct in a most beneficial way so that we can become more like you and truly gain the kind of power that ultimately makes a difference in your kingdom. Thank you for that, and we give you the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, Nexus Church Family Online, and we will see you again real soon.